Let's take a second this morning and just marvel at the most profound, mind-blowing phrase that the human race has ever come up with. YOLO. (laughs) You only live once. An acronym used to justify actions taken in the pursuit of living life without regret. YOLO. What a wonderful phrase. I've personally heard this phrase used to justify actions such as flying down dirt roads late at night, choosing to go hang out at another city park at 2 a.m. after you've already been kicked out of the first one earlier by a police officer, and then jumping in a filthy and freezing pool in the middle of December. I'm a little more on the cautious side, so you probably won't find me using YOLO as a justification to do silly things. Yet, it is true all the same. We do only live once. And no matter how hard we may try to go about living life without regret, the reality is we are going to have some regret in this life. Regret over wasted time, regret over lost time with loved ones, regret over paths we've taken and decisions we've made. As we get older, it seems like time is passing by faster and faster, and we start to feel the reality just how short our lives are. We start to feel the reality of the fact that we only live once. We start to feel like we don't have enough time to make up for the time we've lost or to do the things that we want to do in the future. You can open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 90. Just as we feel like time is rapidly flying forward, just as we feel like we never have enough time, just as we may look back on our lives with regret, The people of Israel were feeling that too, sometime during their exodus from Egypt. They were feeling the reality of the brevity of their lives. Our text today, Psalm 90, speaks into that reality. In your Bible, if you look at the heading for Psalm 90, we can see that it is a prayer of Moses. Here he is described as the man of God. It was a title that was likely given to him by the people of Israel who recognized him as the man God had chosen to lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land. Through Moses, God gave his law to the people, and Moses was a teacher and example for the people of Israel. One of the most important roles of Moses, though, was being a mediator between God and the people. Moses often prayed to God on behalf of the people, such as prayers for intercession on behalf of the Israelites after they would sin and rebel against God, prayers where he asked God to forgive them. This prayer in Psalm 90 is an example of one of those prayers, a prayer where Moses asked God on behalf of himself and the people, while also teaching them to acknowledge their sin, to lament and ask God for wisdom. One of the more prevalent of those times where Israel rebelled against God when they would have needed a prayer like this was when they were condemned to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, where they were told that everyone over the age of 20 was going to die in the wilderness. How would you feel if you were told that you were going to wander aimlessly in the wilderness and then you were going to die and that was going to be it? This is what the Israelites were feeling. They were feeling lost. They were feeling hopeless. They were feeling purposeless. They they felt like they had failed God completely and had turned away from Him and they didn't know what to do. They felt like God had turned away from them We don't know exactly when this psalm was written, 
But it was during Moses' life and in a circumstance just like that, the people of Israel were feeling their reality of the brevity and harshness of life, and they needed hope. These are the circumstances that lead Moses to pray and write Psalm 90. Let's read now. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toll and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Psalm 90 is centered on the uncomfortable reality that our lives are short. In Psalm 90, we will see three realities about the brevity of life. First, our lives are brief, but God is eternal. Our lives are brief, but God is eternal. Moses starts this psalm by acknowledging the infinite nature of God. He declares in verse 1 that God has been the dwelling place of his people for all generations. He's helping the people of Israel remember how faithful God has been to them. The patriarchs of Israel may have lived in tents as they sojourned in the promised land, but Moses here proclaims that it was God who was truly their dwelling place, their house, their shelter. He is the one who kept his people safe during their sojournings in and out of the promised land. He is the one that helped them multiply despite their sufferings while they were in Egypt. And he is the one who will lead them into their future home, the promised land. Moses goes back even further than that in verse 2, saying that before the mountains were brought forth, before God himself had formed everything, God was already there. Everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This word everlasting means past, present, future, forever, forever and ever, longer than we can fathom. God has been and will be God. This is what Moses proclaims. In verses 3 through 6, Moses contrasts God's infinite nature, what he has just proclaimed, with the finite nature of mankind. The everlasting God created man from dust, and he also has the power to simply say, Return, O children of man, or return, O children of Adam, as a footnote in your Bible likely says. He could say that, and then we would be dust again. 
This is a reference to Genesis 3.19 where God tells Adam, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Moses wants the people of Israel to understand just how powerful, how all-powerful that God really is. He created us from the dust, and he has the power to send us right back to it. Compared to the everlasting God, our lives are just so fragile. Not only does this contrast show that our lives are fragile, it also shows that our lives are short. Look at verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Before the everlasting God, a thousand years is nothing. It is like a day that simply passes by and is gone. Or it is like a watch in the night, which was a three or four hour period where soldiers would stay awake to watch over the camp. To those soldiers, those four hours spent fighting to stay awake in the middle of the night seemed like they went on forever. But in reality, four hours is just not that long a time, even by human standards. This is what Moses is saying about the human life. To us, our lives seem like they go on such a long time, like the watch in the night, but compared to God, our lives really are just not that long. To really drive this home, Moses gives us three images that further emphasize the fragility and brevity of human life. Verse 5, we see Moses say that God could sweep us away like objects in a flood. Houses, cars, trees, things that seem firmly planted in one second and then are swept away by powerful floodwaters the next. Moses also compares us to a dream. Sure, we can all think of many occasions where we've woken up from a dream and we thought it was so good. And we want to go and share our dream with someone else. We want to go tell them what we dreamed about and how amazing it was. But seconds after we wake up, we forget 95% of what has happened. We can remember little snippets of the dream Moses compares human lives to dreams that seem so beautiful and real, but drift away and are forgotten so quickly. The main way that Moses describes our lives is by comparing them to grass. This is not Alabama grass that Moses is talking about. What Moses would think of as the sparse grasslands of the wilderness that they were passing through. However, the grass there would struggle to grow in the harsh sunlight. It would grow better in the shadow of a mountain where it could be protected from the sun. The grass would spring up and thrive in those places in the morning where there was dew, but as the day went on, as the sun shifted and dried up the water and beat down on the grass, it would often dry up and wither by the end of the day, possibly even dying completely. Moses says, we are just like that grass. Grass that can be destroyed by drought, by the swing of a scythe, by animals treading on it or eating it, or just the harsh sunlight of a normal day in Israel. So fragile. And truly, human lives are fragile. Disease, dehydration, disaster, these are just a few things that can stop a human life before it has run its full course. This is what Moses is helping the people of Israel see. Their lives, our lives, are oh so short in the eyes of the everlasting God. He is all-powerful and infinite. We are weak and finite. These images may seem very harsh to us because we don't want to think about the reality that our lives are so short and fragile, yet they are. These verses are a lament over the shortness of life. Moses is teaching and helping the people of Israel cry out to God, giving words to their feelings about how unfair it all seems, how harsh it is that our lives are so brief and fragile. He wants them to mourn 
to reflect on the curse of mankind, to express their anguish over the loss of what could have been in our lives when we are feeling the brevity and fragility of human life, when we are feeling regret at lost time, when we experience the loss, when a loved one passes away, we need to lament to God. We need to express our feelings to God, to take our regrets and anguish and feelings of unfairness to Him and lay it all before Him. This is what we need to do, and this is what Moses urges Israel to do here. However, Moses is not done with this lament just yet. This leads us into our second reality. Our lives are brief because of the wrath of God. Our lives are brief because of the wrath of God. Moses connects the shortness and fragility of human life that he has just described with the anger and wrath of God in verse 7, where he says, For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. Our lives are short because of the wrath of God. And he goes on to tell us why God is angry in verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. God's wrath, God's anger upon us, is his righteous judgment on sin. As much as we may try to hide this sin, Moses makes it clear that all our sins are revealed in the light of God's presence, as if they had been committed right before his face. Think about the sins that you want to keep secret, that you don't want anyone to know about. Even these things have been laid bare before God. God is perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, and he cannot excuse the sin He is perfectly just. He cannot just let sin go unpunished. This is why God's wrath brings us to an end. It's why our lives are so short and fragile. The human race by nature is sinful, and we all deserve, and we experience the wrath of God in our lives. Verses 9 and 10 show us the effect of God's wrath on our lives. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toll and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Moses is talking about the general lifespan of the human race here, as the length of human life has declined over the past hundreds of years um, during Moses' time, from the hundreds of years that the early men lived to now, where Moses says that people live to be 70, maybe 80 if they are exceptionally healthy. Moses points here to a future effect of God's wrath on our lives, death and eternal separation from God. This was not God's plan. We were not meant to die. The human race was meant to live in harmony with God forever. However, now Moses says that our lives are soon gone and they fly away. Death brought unto mankind by our sin is what Moses laments here. He cries out to God in sorrow over the reality of death. And as much as we may rage against it, against it, as much as society idolizes health and we try to live longer through modern medicine and technology and fitness, the reality is we will die one day. Death is the future effect of God's wrath. However, there is also a present effect of God's wrath. Moses says our days pass away under your wrath. Wrath is not only future, it is also present. We may ask, how are our lives affected currently by God's wrath? Moses says that the span of our lives is toll and trouble. 
This is a reference back to Genesis 3 again, where God tells Adam that the ground is cursed. He says, in pain you shall eat of it. He says the ground will bring up thorns and thistles, and that Adam will eat bread by the sweat of his face. Under God's wrath, our lives are difficult. We don't live in the garden with all the fruit we could want. We have to work hard to survive. In this life, we work hard. We face many troubles. We see the reality of death as those around us pass on, and we suffer. The present effect of God's wrath on us is the toil and trouble that we face every day. While God is wrathful on us to punish sin, while our ultimate punishment is death and eternal separation from God, the present effect of God's wrath also serves another purpose. Look at verse 11. Moses says, Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Moses here is asking a hypothetical question where he says, Who considers the power of God's anger? He is calling the people of Israel to reflect on the wrath of God. But as they reflect, as we reflect, we will discover the other purpose of God's present wrath on us. That purpose is to bring those under his wrath to repentance. Think about the situation that led to Moses praying this prayer. He is interceding for Israel who have committed some kind of sin against God. They are directly feeling the wrath of God. They are suffering. They are feeling the brevity of their lives because they committed some act of rebellion against God. Moses wants the people to reflect on the wrath of God so that they will repent. If they repent of the act of rebellion that got them in this situation in the first place, God would forgive them. God's wrath, His punishment in this situation is meant to cause Israel to repent of their sin. And this is true for us today. God's present extensions of His wrath also call us to repentance. God's present extensions of His wrath also call us to repentance. We are under God's wrath now, and we should repent now. In the future, we will die, and it will be too late to repent, which is why we need to consider God's wrath while we live and repent of our sin. What secret sins are you trying to hide from God today? Consider the wrath of God on sin and repent. Turn away from those sins and turn to God. God will show grace to those who repent. He showed grace to Israel many times, and He will do the same for us. That leads us to our third point. Our lives are brief, but God is gracious. Our lives are brief, but God is gracious. In response to the previous two realities, Moses, the man of God and the mediator for the Israelites, asked God to show His grace to the people by doing what He says in verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is why Moses focuses so much on the brevity of life. He wants the people of Israel to take the shortness of their lives seriously. He wants them to live out the rest of their days understanding that their lives are short and fragile and that they can be taken at any moment. If we truly consider the power of God's anger, if we truly fear the wrath of God, wanting to spend the time we have left on earth doing what the Lord commands is the natural response. Numbering our days means taking a serious look at the time left in life and living intentionally for the Lord with the rest of that time. We need to take note here 
um, that Moses does not ask God to turn the clock back. He does not ask God to let them go back and right their wrongs. He does not ask God for more time. Instead, Moses asks God to help them make the most of the time they have left, to help them in the future. It would be easier, easy for Israel to dwell on the past, but Moses urges them to look forward. Church, we too can mourn past days where we did not seek the Lord. We can be sad about the time we have lost with loved ones. We can be sorrowful over past regrets. However, we can't let those things of the past stop us from doing what God would have us do in the future. We can't let past sins, past regrets, past hurts stop us from seeking the Lord today. We must look ahead to the days we have left and make the most of them. So what does that look like? The end of verse 12 tells us, teach us that we may get a heart of wisdom. Meaning we are to seek a heart filled with wisdom with the days that we have. What is wisdom? A secular definition of wisdom might say wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge and experience. If we have wisdom, then we will make good choices based on our knowledge and experience. By that definition, we might say um, that in order to be more wise, in order to gain more wisdom, we must gain more knowledge and more experience. However, the Bible tells us this in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. If we put the ideas of verse 12 together, we see that numbering our days means using the time we have to seek the wisdom that comes from the Lord. In the last several verses of Psalm 90, Moses tells the people of Israel how they are supposed to spend their days, what they should do and what they should pray so they will gain this wisdom that comes from the Lord. The first step for Israel in seeking the wisdom that comes from the Lord is seeking compassion from the Lord. Verse 13 says, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Here, Moses asks God to return to them, to forgive them for the wrong they have done, and to be with them again, to return to them. Moses has helped them recognize that the wrath they face is a result of their sin, and they know that they need to repent. So they ask God for pity here, for compassion. They recognize that they are undeserving, but this is a plea to God to shine His face on them based on His compassion, His love for them. After they seek compassion from the Lord, Moses guides Israel to seek satisfaction from the Lord. Verses 14 and 15 say, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Earlier, as Moses compared human life to grass, he described the grass flourishing in the morning just as humans tend to be healthier earlier in their lives. Moses uses the, the morning word again here, where he asks God to satisfy them with steadfast love in the morning. What he's saying here, he is asking God to satisfy Israel with his love early in their lives, so that they may spend the rest of their days rejoicing. We know from other psalms, such as Psalm 16, that tells us that in God's presence there is fullness of joy, that a life spent serving God is ultimately satisfying. God is faithful to satisfy those who turn to Him first as the source of their joy and delight. As Israel repents of their sin and seeks to number their days, 
to seek God with the time they have left, they ask God to satisfy them, to give them joy and hope, things that can only ultimately come from the Lord. True wisdom recognizes that satisfaction can only come from the Lord. And finally, seeking wisdom means that Israel should seek the will of God. Verses 16 and 17 say, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Moses, in this final request, asked God to show his work, his glory, his favor upon them. They have passed down the stories of the work of God among the patriarchs. They have written down you know, the God, God's work, what he has done. They have seen God's work in Egypt and in the wilderness um, just depending on when the psalm is written, whatever it is, they have seen so much from God. God has worked mightily among them. He, they asked that he would do that again. They also asked God to show himself to their children to continue showing his glorious power to those that come after them as well. And while they do ask God to show them his power, his work, they also ask God to establish the work of their hands. Whenever the psalm was written, Israel knew what they were moving toward. God was going to lead them out of Egypt, and he was going to lead them in conquest of the promised land. That was the work that they had to look forward to. Here, they are asking God to lead them in that work, to show them the work that they have to do and help them do it. They are seeking the will of God with this request, asking him to show them what he would have them do. Ultimately, we know that God answered the request of the people of Israel here. Israel repented, and God had pity on them and returned to them, continuing to give His law to them through their travels, even in their years of wandering. We know that God was the source of their satisfaction again, as they do give praise to Him and lean on Him again, as He establishes the work of their hands, leading them onward, bringing them into the promised land as He promised. He shows them His glorious power as um, they take the promised land. That was what happened to Israel. But we face the shortness of life as well. What does it mean for us to number our days now? What do we need to do to get a heart of wisdom? What does it mean for us to sing this psalm today? The most important thing we need to establish is that we have a new and greater mediator. Moses is described as the man of God. He led the people of Israel and mediated between them and God many times. He could reason with God. However, there was one thing that Moses could not do. Even though Moses is described as the man of God here, he was not perfect. Moses was a sinner just like us. In this prayer, he is also acknowledging his own sin that he has committed against God. He could only hope that God would listen to his request for Israel. He could not save the people from their sin. However, Moses does point to a greater, perfect mediator that would come much later. Moses faced the brevity of life just like we do, but this person will be our mediator forever. This person stands at the right hand of God today, and he tells the Father this about those who have trusted in him. That one is mine, Father. They are covered by my blood. That mediator is, of course, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came down to earth to live a perfect, sinless life so that he could pay the price for our sin and take the wrath of God that we deserve 
on himself. He is the one who is able to save us from our sins, who is able to save us from the wrath of God. He is able to save us from the future effect of wrath, eternal separation from God. We will still die on this earth, but if we trust in Jesus, then we will have eternal life with him in the future. It is through Jesus that we are able to say, Yes, Lord, our lives will be short because of our sinful nature, but we will one day have eternal life with you. You will one day make us glad for many more days than we have ever been afflicted. It is through Jesus that God has compassion on us, his servants, and has brought us back to him. It is through Jesus that we can be satisfied in the morning and rejoice and be glad because he satisfies those who love him. Church, all these requests from Moses find their ultimate yes in Christ Jesus. It is through him that we can have joy despite the brevity and the fragility of our lives because he has redeemed us from our sin and given us eternal life with him to look forward to. All these things and more are the benefit of repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus today. This is what the present wrath of God calls us to, repenting and trusting in Jesus. The present wrath of God in our lives, the brevity of the life that we face, calls us to repent and trust in Jesus. Jesus has also laid the foundation for work of our hands that is still to be done. We still need to number our days. We need to make the most of the time that we have left on this earth. God's word tells us what we should do with our time here. Here are three applications, three things that we should seek if we desire to have a heart of wisdom. First, a heart of wisdom seeks compassion from the Lord. A heart of wisdom seeks compassion from the Lord. To those who may not know the compassion of the Lord through Jesus, to those who have not put their faith in Jesus and trusted in Him as Savior, the first step in numbering your days is seeking compassion from the Lord. Please consider the wrath of God, consider the weight of your sin, and turn away from that sin. Repent and trust in Jesus today. It is only through the grace of God that we are able to have purpose and hope in our short lives. And God extends that grace to you today through His Son, Jesus. And He invites you to come and trust in Him today. Do not let past sins and hurts keep you from trusting in God. It is never too late to start numbering your days, to repent of your sin and to start seeking to live for Jesus. If you are trusting in Jesus today, know that you need to continue to grow in appreciation of the compassion that Jesus has shown us. One way to do that is to consider what we have been saved from. Moses asked in verse 11, who considers the power of your anger? We like to meditate on the salvation that we have received, but we also need to reflect on what Jesus has saved us from. In order to truly appreciate what Jesus has done, we need to take a serious look at the wrath of God. We have been saved from eternal punishment, eternal suffering, eternal separation from God. Reflect on the wrath of God and grow in your appreciation for what Jesus has saved us from. Second, a heart of wisdom seeks satisfaction in the Lord. The things of this world, worldly treasures, the momentary pleasures of sin, these things cannot satisfy us. It is only through Jesus that we can be truly satisfied. 
we need to remind ourselves of this truth every day. We need to remind ourselves that it is only God who can make us rejoice and be glad all our days. And we need to trust in Him and Him alone for our satisfaction. And finally, a heart of wisdom seeks the will of God. Jesus did the work we could not do. He redeemed us from the wrath of God, and He has laid the foundation for the work we do now. Through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit, God reveals His will to us and has established work for our hands to do. For Israel, the work of the Lord was the conquest of the promised land. For us, the work of our hands is to go and make disciples of all nations, to share the gospel with the lost, to show others how they might find purpose and hope despite the brevity of life. It is our work to seek wisdom from the Lord, to seek His will, to know what we are to do with the time we have left on this earth. By the grace of God, we have been given hope, and the opportunity to do work that will have eternal impact. Let's ask the Lord to teach us to number our days. Ask Him to help us intentionally live for Him with the time we have left. Let's continually seek compassion and satisfaction from the Lord. And let's pray that He would establish the work of our hands as we seek to do His will every day. Let's pray.